Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When you get to the season of Advent, at least in the one-year series of the readings, you may ask yourself, aren't we preparing for Christmas? Why then are we hearing about Jesus coming into Jerusalem as if we're preparing for Easter, right? Why are we concerning ourselves with Jesus coming into Jerusalem? Aren't we trying to prepare for Christmas? So shouldn't we hear about the Incarnation? I mean, shouldn't we hear about the Annunciation? Shouldn't we hear about, I don't know, pick one of the, one of the things that would get you uh, best prepared for Christmas. One of the texts, maybe from St. Luke, who has such great imagery, he writes so well. Of course, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Of course, he writes well. But the thing is, is that we have to try and discern why it is the church has chosen for us Matthew chapter 21 as our gospel text for today, the first Sunday in Advent. But Advent is more than just a time of preparation for Christmas. Uh, That's what it's turned into most of the time. Everyone's just saying, all right, we're counting down the time before we get to Christmas, we have the Advent wreath, you have your Advent calendars, you have these things that prepare you in that way. I mean, and that's a good thing, right? The church has their ways of preparing for what's to come in the church year. It's a lot better than the way the world prepares for Christmas. I'm really actually very glad to hear that Black Friday this year wasn't so crazy. It wasn't so crazy. There weren't as many people out shopping in the stores They were shopping online, but that's, you know, at least some improvement. People weren't fighting over stuffed toys and cameras and whatever else there is to buy. But for us, within the church, we prepare for Christmas during Advent, but we also prepare for when Christ will come again at the last day. Every Sunday is a preparation for that, but the Advent season is especially time to prepare We as the church need to be told continually every week, if not every day, or every moment that we can be, um, that we can be reminded by the Holy Spirit to think about Christ's coming. That we see in the Gospel of, 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 of Matthew that when Christ comes into Jerusalem, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet who said, Say to the daughter daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Um, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and 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 mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. To dive into this a little bit here, this is cited from Zechariah 9, but Isaiah 62 is put at the very front part of that. Say to the daughter of Zion, say to her these things, remind her who her king is, because she won't know who the king is unless you tell her. I wonder how many people that were gathered there when Christ came through those great gates of that city 
how many people actually knew what they were doing. I wonder how many people just joined, joined the crowd and everybody else saw that they were putting their cloaks down, so they said, well, I guess I should put my cloak down. They got branches, so they said, I guess I'll get some branches. Mob mentality was prevailing to be a good thing in this, this time. But I guess it makes us stop, or it should make us stop, and ask ourselves the question, do we know who our king is? Do we know that he comes to us? Do we know how he comes to us? Or do we just go along with what everybody else is doing? I mean, those who are here in church, that's a good thing. Going along with what everybody else is doing is a good thing when you're in church. You stand up, you sit, you say the right things, you say the black and do the red as it's put in, as it's put in the hymnal. But if this there's one thing we can gain from this, it's we should be thinking about more what we are doing, who it is that comes to us, how it is he comes to us. Do you know that every single Sunday we say Hosanna? Every single Sunday we say Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When you stop and think about it, if you were caught off guard by this text from, from Matthew saying, why aren't we talking about this? You might ask, why do we say it every Sunday? When do we say it every Sunday? Anybody know? We say it when we are about to partake of the body and blood of Christ. We say it when we are marveling that Christ comes to us. Not just in word, but in body and blood. Jesus comes in three different ways distinctly. He comes through the incarnation. God is made man. That's what Christmas is all about. God comes down from heaven and he takes on flesh and blood so that he could live the perfect life for us and die the death that we should die so that we could live forever. He comes in another way, in that after he has died and he has rose from the dead and he ascends, he ascends to the, the right hand of, of the Father, we know that he will come again at the last day. But he comes a third time. And that's the time that I would like to focus on a little bit more right now. His third time that he comes is in grace. He comes whenever his word is spoken. Wherever two or three are gathered, wherever two or three are gathered that are in his name, there he is among them. When his word is spoken, when his forgiveness is granted, when his baptism is washing, when his body and blood are feeding, he is there. There are those Christians who think that now that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, he's up there in heaven, and he doesn't really come down at all. You know, It's this thing of trying to understand how the ascension makes sense with flesh and blood. Jesus somewhere seated at the right hand of God, and what happens here on Sundays with the body and blood of Christ 
Is this symbolic? Is he really present? And some would say he's not really present because he's up there. He's at the right hand of God the Father, and flesh and blood can't be in two places at once. And that may sound kind of funny if you remember that we're actually talking about God himself. He can be in all places and through all things. Being at the right hand of power means that he can be with us wherever his word is spoken, wherever his gifts are granted. This helps us to think more about where he is, for he is here. This helps us to think about what he does when he comes. He does not come to judge, to be harsh with those who are contrite and downtrodden, who are sorrowful because of their sin. He does not come to crush you, but he comes to reign with justice, with peace, with grace, with mercy. It's appropriate that we begin with the triumphal entry into Jerusalem to see how Jesus comes, to see what the point of his coming is, to die, to reign on his throne, that is, his cross that from that cross he blesses the entire world, all those who trust in him and what he has done. So that we who have been shown the light, we who have been brought out of darkness and into his, his, and into his, his, his marvelous light, who are children of light, we see clearly now. So that we would not be caught up with that mob that just goes along to get along. That even though the mob in this instance did the right thing, how many people were there shouting, Hosanna, save us, Lord, on Sunday and on Friday, shouted, crucify him, crucify him. How many of us get caught up in these things? without thinking, without having the mind of Christ to see in faith what is true. So if I can point you in a certain direction today, I will, I will point to you that Jesus Christ comes to you every Sunday. Every Sunday, he comes to you in his word, preached, by an imperfect man. He comes to you by absolving you of all your sins, again, through a sinner, but one who speaks his pure word to you. He comes to you in very humble means. In fact, I would even say more humble than he did when he went through those gates. There he rode through the gates, riding on a donkey. Here he comes to you on a patent. He comes to you on a patent and in a chalice. He comes to you to feed you, to strengthen you, to lift you up. He comes to you so that you would know that your king is with you wherever you go. That this world is full of kings 
and rulers that seek to oppress, that seek to crush you, but he does not. He is unlike them. He stirs up the entire world with his word. It says there that when he came through those gates of, 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 of Jerusalem, that what well, says in verse 10, not in our, our, uh, our text for the day, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowds said, this is the prophet Jesus from, from Nazareth of Galilee. The world is stirred up by our Lord. His word is powerful. His word makes the world tremble and shake, not always in fear, but in anger and wrath. That someone else would presume to rule over them, but he does. And though the world would tremble and shake and rage and foam, we do not fear because we have a great king who is not like the other kings of this world, but he rules for our good. He doesn't crush us, but he bears our burdens. He takes on himself our sorrows and our sins. And in exchange for all of this, he gives us his kingdom and his grace. And having his kingdom and his grace, we now wait patiently for him, all the while knowing that he reigns at the right hand of his Father, the place of power. He works for the good of all things for us, even though at the time it may seem painful. At the time of sorrow, we may not see the good, but we know that he reigns for the good of all who trust him have been called according to his purpose. And in this vein, we wait, we prepare, and we stay awake, and we watch for his coming again, knowing that he also comes to us now. Because if we do not recognize his coming now, we will not recognize his coming at the last day. This is how we watch. This is how we prepare. We hear his word. We give thanks and praise. We are fed with his body and his blood. Because that is life, that is life itself, his body and his blood. It is life defining, it is life sustaining, it is life giving. Every single day we should keep these things in mind. That our king dwells and he dwells, he dwells with us so that every day we would rise and drown the old Adam and be prepared and stay awake and watch, casting off, the works of, casting off the works of darkness and putting on the armor of light that is granted to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That every day we put on, we put on, we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify, to gratify its, its desires, that we wait and we watch, trusting in him, knowing that he has come, he comes now, and he will come again. And the peace of God, and the peace of God, 
which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.